0: You're listening to the Maniverse Podcast with your host, Tom Traplin, and this is session number 138. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Maniverse Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Traplin, and I have with me one Alan Blakeborough. He is well. I'm gonna let him introduce himself because we got quite the uh, quite the tale, quite the history to go through, and we're gonna be talking about SecondhandDeep.com, a brand new marketplace that's gonna be helping out store owners and uh, former and current hobbyists who want to switch up some of the things that they are selling and buying and trading. So, welcome to the show, Alan. Thanks for joining me today.
1: Oh, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: No problem. I'm glad that we could put this all together, especially now, since things are like in the middle of the launch period for this. this new yes, marketplace we're, we're,
1: yep, we're uh, just uh, announced last week that we're launching. Um, the reception has been really good, um, both on the various social media stuff. And we've actually gone out to a number of stores uh, physically over the last couple of weeks, actually went to our first Warhammer Rogue Trader tournament um, this past weekend. So talking to people.
0: Cool. Yeah. So I'm really excited to, to talk about this, this new platform and really explain and explore what's going on with this thing. Uh, but as we were talking about before we started hitting the record button, I want to, I want to go back in time a little bit. and uh, Okay got to go into the past and go into your origin story. How did you get into this crazy world of hobbyists and gaming and board games and models and all this?
1: So, stuff? I'm really old. Um I was one of those <laughs> original Dungeons and Dragons players back in the late 70s early 80s. Um so went through all the the d d stuff when it was little booklets. Um then got out of the uh you know d d went off to college, um, served in the military and then when I got out I started opening up fencing schools. Um, I'm a competitive, uh, used to be a competitive Olympic fencer. And a bunch of my students were like, hey, you know, you used to play D&D. You know, do you do play magic? Do you do anything with miniature wargaming? And come to find out that, you know, by the time uh, the late 90s were around, the gaming industry became this huge uh, thing in the world. And it was like, wow, okay, this is interesting. Owned a, a coffee shop at the time in Charlotte, North Carolina and then started adding gaming merchandise in there so people could have coffee, sit down, enjoy gaming and stuff. And uh, that basically uh, then spun off into opening and running, oh, nine gaming stores over the last 25 years. Um, Went through, you know, basically putting a place in a strip mall, um, you know, having one manager running it, and then Uh, Having customers say, wow, I would like one of these in my town. So we'd raise the money and then open one in another town. So I had a number of stores in the Carolinas and uh, really enjoyed, you know, running them, watching, you know, people young and old get together, play the games. Um, And then uh, last year, uh, went and put together a company in the tax space. I joke around that I'm a recovering accountant. And uh, in that aspect, learned a whole lot about the platforms that we're currently using um, today, whether it be Uber or Airbnb, we made one for taxes. And then about four months ago, somebody was joking around with me as I was listing stuff on eBay, why there wasn't a marketplace, you know, that served the gaming community um, in the same way that my marketplace served the small business and taxpayers. So we were like, okay, me and the staff sat down. Um, A bunch of them are also gamers. And we're like, okay, well, we could do this. Took the same ideas that we did with Tax Titans and then came up with a way that basically was similar to what TCG Player did in the trading card game space. But what we were doing here as a spin is we were creating a way for people to be able to make um, a revenue stream off of their customers who are selling stuff online. As a store owner, you know, eBay and Kickstarter were kind of the bane of my existence because people would buy and get great deals on eBay or Kickstarter and then come into my store and sit down and you know spend four or five hours there. Um, not spend a lot of money and then leave. <laughs> and as every store owner knows, you only have a limited amount of retail space to put new products out, which has the highest market. And there's basically no way for me to, you know, take everybody's used stuff that they have sitting in their closet or their garage and fill up my store. Um, You know, I'm not a pawn shop and I'm not a flea market. Um, But, you know, I serve all those customers and provide a place for them to play. So the marketplace allows us to be able to say, hey, when your customers are using the marketplace, everything that they sell over the marketplace, we're going to give the store owners a 1% rebate on what is sold there you know so if somebody sells say a thousand dollars and okay it's like all right um from that aspect that you know they wind up making you know ten dollars to do that then you multiply that by you know you know a hundred, two hundred customers that they have you know it could be paying the electric bill one month it could be you know paying a month of rent um you know depending on how wide or how much the store owner has as far as a customer base. It could be something small. It could be something, you know, that's actually got impact.
0: Describe the the marketplace and the customers and the people and how you're growing this thing out. Like what, what was the the process of launching this new venture and how are you expanding the reach and all yep. of that fun stuff?
1: So the, the process was basically creating a two-sided marketplace um, in which you created a very low friction, very easy way for the gamers to get onto the site um, and make a free profile so they have to pay to be on. And then also for anybody that's getting rid of their stuff, um, for them to be able to sign up, list the stuff, and have it not cost anything for them to list it. Um, Then we customized and broke down kind of like what TCG Player does for cards. We did the same thing for other games. For instance, we'll take Warhammer. Um, We said, okay, you know, if I'm buying a Warhammer model, I want to know, okay, is it still in the box? Is it out of the box? And all the pieces are there. If somebody basically, you know, put it together, was it put together well? Uh, Was it looked like it was put together by a three year old? Um, There are some people (laughs) that, you know, may be great at their profession, but they're not modelers. Um, If it's painted, is it painted to like, you know, golden demon standards or is it, you know, painted by like somebody with a crayon who's four years old? Um, And for people that are selling and buying, you know, that's kind of important. If they're looking to buy role-playing games, okay, is it brand new? You know, is there pages missing? Does it look like my dog took it and ate it for his homework? That kind of stuff. Um, One of the things we just added last week that we think is really unique is for people that paint miniatures, um, there's a way for them to basically create a profile. And then we have a category for painting minis. So if someone's like, hey, I'm going to charge you Ten dollars to paint a figure for say a DD thing um mm-hmm. or you know i want an entire army painted then there's ways for painters to do that um, as we all know in the gaming space 3d printing is a big thing now mm-hmm. um so we created a category for 3d printers as long as a person is doing original work and they're not just copying somebody's like a games workshop or a war machine hordes or anything like that they can sell their stuff also because there's really not a marketplace for all these 3d printers to be able to go, okay, this is where all the gamers add. That's kind of the stuff that I like to print and do, whether it be terrain um, or the, you know, playing Dungeons and Dragons or doing it for 40 K or age of Sigmar. Um, there's now a place for them to basically hang their shingle and kind of advertise what they're doing. And then at the completion Question. of it. Yep. Um, so Question. at the, at the, at the uh, end of it, um, when you select something you want to buy, it sends an email to the um, folks in the platform. Um, they can say, yes, I'm going to sell it. No, I'm not going to sell it. Uh, and then uh, it, all the transactions, everything are done through PayPal. So, you know, any of the bad actors that are out there, if you send the money in and you don't get the stuff, then you can file a complaint and PayPal will refund your money. Um, We have a lot of experience doing this. I've had a trade group on Facebook for over nine years. Um, It started with zero people and has now got over 17,000. The moderators and stuff that we have on there have done a great job over the last nine years, um, which has caused it to grow. We basically grow anywhere from 30 to 40 new people a week on the trade groups. Uh, between, I think, all the trade groups on Facebook that deal with just wargaming miniatures and stuff, there's literally over about 100,000. So we know the demand is there. Um, We know that every store owner over there sweats about paying the bills. Um, I've never met a store owner that went, oh my God, I have so much money, I don't need any more customers. Um, So I I, I think from that standpoint, it'll work well. Um, Our goal is to um, create um and support organized play um so magic pokemon um those companies do a great job um supporting people with like friday night magic and their pre-releases and stuff there is nothing in the wargaming world that supports and gives organized play all the way down to the store um games workshop was really great about 20 years ago having what were called rogue trader tournaments in which they gave you missions they gave you prize support, they sent you judges, um, and that was great. That program has been discontinued for a couple of decades now. So one of the ways that we're looking at doing it is we want to certify judges for things like Warhammer um, and then provide a, another 1% of the sales goes to supporting the organized play. Whether it be you know coming up with prize support for the owners, um coming up with things like hey you know you won painting services and we're promoting the painters that are on the site um and saying okay you know we'll pay you but this person you know won you know this month's prize or whatever um so that's kind of how we plan on getting the word out there um we think that organized play has existed well and done well for the gaming community Um, People are looking to do stuff and, you know, want to engage with other people, especially after COVID. Um, You know, everybody's saying that, you know, the gaming industry and physical face-to-face contact is going to continue to increase. So we want to make it easy for people to be able to sell their stuff in a marketplace that actually supports the hobbies and the places that they are actually gaming at. eBay is a great company, but, you know, in the 25 years that I owned gaming stores, eBay never wrote me a check. Um, never helped, you know, me pay an electric bill or pay the rent for my, you know, local gaming store. So
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's been a that's been a challenging ecosystem to navigate and the evolution of the space over time has been that's been a perpetual challenge of people buying their products somewhere else and then coming to the third space of the game store to enjoy that product. That's right. been like a thing forever. So I like the idea of having a platform that tries to mitigate that at least a little bit and rewarding people. Like if Mm -hmm. the the store is saying, okay, well, I'm going to refer my customers to this group. Like like you said, the the trade group on Facebook, if they had a way of, you know, slightly taking a cut of every transaction that you helped refer to them, Mm -hmm. like it's essentially what's happening here. uh, That would make it at least, it would would at least facilitate the continued existence of that game store, which it would be a nice thing. I think most of the community would probably appreciate that if they, uh, if they could manage that. So I think the idea of having a marketplace where people can do this, that's not eBay, but it's not TCG player. There's some that that's for the rest of this massive hobby. This, you know, this gigantic thing, uh, I think is a really great idea in terms of, uh, pricing this is one of the things that i'm i'm curious about is it more like ebay or is it more like tcg player where TCG player has essentially like they become the benchmark in for a lot of stores in terms of pricing their products right like they are the market they set the market in a lot of ways but ebay is much more of a you know well what do you think you can get for it All right throw some, hopefully you, you you know whatever the auction ends up or you put the buy it now price at whatever you feel like is fair and then you go for it uh how much guidance is there in that or is is it completely up to the person listing their thing to say well this is the price i want
1: so right now it's uh almost like the you know buy it at this price as far as ebay ours is not an auction type platform and the evolution that we want to see happen is that for the first couple of months everybody says okay these are the items that i have and it's listed up here buy it at this price Now, the nice thing about our site is if you're having a conversation with somebody about the price or the condition of the item that you're looking to buy, that stays in a public uh, forum that's attached to that product. So much like in the Facebook groups, if I'm having a conversation back and forth about, okay, I'd like you were asking for 50, I've got 45, um, and then you come back and go, well, these pieces are missing, and then I want only to buy it for 40 and i said well i don't want to sell it for 40 um, but thank you that conversation stays there so the next person that comes in has more information as far as that product and what your price point is to sell that item now what we want to do is we're building right now and integrating a way so that once a month that we have kind of a flea market kind of like ebay where Mm -hmm. people then go okay i have 10 items that i have listed in my inventory you know, three of these items I just want to get rid of, you know, and I don't care if I got a dollar from them. I don't care if I get five dollars from them. And you just throw them up into the, the absolute auction uh, aspect of the second hand and then you just clear them out. Um, one of the other, you know, things that's better for us instead of eBay, if I want to have stuff listed in perpetuity until they sell on eBay, then I'm looking at having to buy a store. And in eBay, if I want to have a store, the least amount that I can spend is $5, and it just goes up from there. On our site, you know, you could have 100 items on there, and it'll be free for you the entire time. So for the individual who has a massive Warhammer collection, that's great. Um, For a store owner that wants to go, hey, you know, I've got some... Vintage gaming material sitting on my shelves and I don't want it to be a museum. I can list the stuff up there and I'm not worried about, you know, the stuff being on the marketplace and you're sending me an invoice, $20 a month to be able to have it listed up there. It's great because literally it just sits there for free until it sells. Um, You know, so for us and for the gamers and the game store owners, we think that's great. We also believe that we'll get enough feedback. So that unlike eBay, if I sent them a thing going, "Hey, I would like to, you know, have this functionality exist," um, you're not going to hear about it. Um, I talked to a bunch of uh, employees at a store this past weekend that have told me the transition from TCG Player over to the eBay Marketplace when it was sold um, hasn't been to the benefit of the game store owners. Um, mm-hmm. My understanding is that the eBay customer service is not as on point as it was when it was handled just directly by TCG
0: player that's not surprising generally, the bigger the company gets, the less uh less one on one time you can really expect to have with somebody who can actually address your problem uh, <laughs> like try to get a hold of uh somebody in Google to try and yeah. figure out your thing that's going wrong with your ad platform Like that that's that's a challenge it can take some time, so yeah, I'm not surprised that eBay's uh dropping the ball in terms of that uh, the customer service aspect of things. Uh, I am curious about, uh, so like you said that you can list your product, you know, the thing you don't get charged until you sell, that's when the, the transaction fee occurs and all of that. And that's great. Uh, do you have any plans for like, if I'm a store owner and this, this sounds really cool. Can I list everything? Can I just sell my whole store here? Like, how does that work?
1: You can sell your whole store. Um, the only thing that you're looking at is you're looking at, um, a, a 5% overhead fee as the stuff sells. Um, so uh there's a store that we're talking with now where the owner has made a life change and they're going to be basically closing their doors and liquidating everything. Um, and from their standpoint, and having done that with stores that I had up in Charlotte, North Carolina, I was like, Look, you can go and list all the stuff on eBay and, and that's great. I said, You're gonna be paying 15% of that. I said, or you can try to use us first. Um, you know, if it works for your time frame then you're only spending 5%. And in this person's instance, they're not looking to liquidate it within 30 or 60 days. Um, They're basically closing the shop, putting all the material and merchandise in their garage. Um, So from his standpoint, saving that 10% um, from an eBay standpoint works for him Um, because he really doesn't want to pay a monthly fee to have a store listed on eBay. And he doesn't want to keep having to relist the stuff after a seven-day auction. So this for him is the best of both worlds.
0: Yeah. I was wondering if there would be a, uh, is there any going to be sort of an integration at some point to be like, I've got a POS I've got, you know, I run my store on Shopify, for example, can I just have my items automatically listed? Is there a way to do that at some point in the future? Is that a thing that's going to happen or will everything be manual? You say, I want this category to be listed. or Okay. You know, employee number one, make sure this thing gets up on secondhand geek today. Right. Like, How's that gonna work? Or is that part of the plan at that some
1: point? That is part of the roadmap. So part of the roadmap is that you would have an API integration with eBay, with Shopify, that if you had items on either our platform or another platform that you'd be able to just transmit them and send them over and go, okay, I want this thing listed on multiple platform. Um, in the social media space, in the experience that we've had with tax titans, I'll make a post and there's enough types of companies out there where when I want that post to go on social media, it automatically sends it to Instagram, sends it to LinkedIn, sends it to Facebook. So the the API and the concept of that is already out there. We just need to make it so that it connects with our marketplace to all the other places that the store owners are already currently selling their stuff at um one of the biggest things we would like to do of course is to be able to have an api that takes everybody from our facebook groups and transfers them over to the platform um you know i had 17000 people on the platform tomorrow that'd be great um from that aspect yeah um we think the biggest bang for the buck though uh is getting the word out to the store owners um through you know podcasts such as yourself to say hey look you have the trust of your customers you know you're providing that space you know your customers want to see you succeed but they only make so much money so they're not going to be making donations to your brick and mortar store but if they're already selling their stuff if they're already selling it to their friends and they want a broader market of other people and help other stores then this would be a great thing for them to champion for them to be the cheerleaders you know to basically say folks hey know secondhand geek is out there you know we have uh collateral as far as cards and merchandise um we're in the process we own a bunch of laser uh co2 cutters so we're making you know uh, secondhand geek rulers and stuff for wargaming um tokens and stuff like that to you know give out as far as you know prizes tchotchkes type of things to you know promote the site and, and get people to go hey you know, let's get behind a marketplace that is literally supporting the game and the hobby that we all do. Whether we're a war gamer or we like board games, or if we're doing trading card games or role playing games, you know, we yeah. all need you know facilities to do this because you know, depending on my dorm room or my apartment or my house, um, you know, I, I sometimes I'm I can have five six people over. You know, it's not like I'm going to be having 24 people over to run, you know, a Warhammer tournament. Um, it's not like I'm going to be able to have, you know, 15, 20 people over for Friday Night Magic. Um, you know, so the, the, I think um, over time uh, this will have impact. Um, you know, my my one vow is that we don't sell to eBay for, you know, $300 million like TCG did. <laughs> um, because, I mean, quite frankly, they, they're just about making the, you know, what they make last year, $9 billion in revenue, getting 15% of uh, items. So they do 2 billion transactions a day.
0: Kind of crazy thinking yep. about how far it's come and how big the market really is now at this point in time. Like especially if you think about what it was like in the eighties and the nineties.
1: Oh my God! I mean, I remember having just the little booklets. I mean, the hardcover D and D books came out, and you have thought people were like, you know, reprinting the Bible. It was like, oh my God, the, a new book. <laughs> you know, theme folio. Oh my God, another book. You know, now, you know, I had been out of it for twenty some odd years, and then you know, I had fencing students coming up and going, oh, you know, have you ever heard of this game Warhammer? Have you ever heard of this thing called Magic the Gathering? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, and I was like. I, I, I blinked and suddenly somebody made a $25 billion a year industry in tabletop gaming. It just, it was, it was amazing. So.
0: Yeah, it's pretty wild, especially like, and it's been a, uh, it's been a very exciting year. Hopefully the uh, exciting and, you know, I say that with air quotes in in some ways, because it's also been a very uh, tumultuous year for, yep. for the game industry in a lot of ways. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm just I'm just
1: amazed the the folks that have stuck it out that survived the pandemic. Um, I mean, you know, none nobody who has a game store uh, you know, is considered to be an essential business. Um, some people did a great job pivoting during the you know the pandemic, for having pickups for their you know store, you know, trying to do stuff online in a virtual setting so that you know people still were able to communicate with their you know friends and people that they gamed with. But you know, you you never realize how much you miss or need that you know, you know, personal interaction with somebody until it's gone.
0: Yeah, yeah. The uh, the two years the pandemic really highlighted how important it was to have that. You know, it's face to face. Is this exact? This is uh, this is great, right? Technology is awesome for this kind of thing, but like being able to sit across from somebody on the other side of the table and play a real physical activity and experience with them is uh it's it's important it's like vital to us as humans to be able to do that like we we don't we cannot survive on digital interactions alone right or at least at least we become uh we become different people in that regard and it's it's really nice to see this resurgence like you said that at the beginning right like there is this really big push this renaissance in a lot of ways that i think is reflecting in the growth of the game industry. In general is that people want to have those experiences and more people in the mainstream are discovering how important it is and how much fun it is and how, you know, it's not this nerdy geeky, you know, this is only for certain kinds of people kind of activity like it was, you know, a couple of decades ago. Now it's more, anyone can really enjoy this, which is great. And I think the, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to to see where this goes. I'm excited to see what happens in the next couple of years. I'm generally optimistic. I know it's been kind of not a- not the greatest past six months for a lot of store owners, but uh i hope hopefully things are going on an upward trajectory despite a lot of the troubles and challenges and weird decisions that some of the major players are making at the moment but yep. uh, well yeah, and i think I think the second hand geek has a really interesting role to play. Going forward, I think this could be something that uh, a lot of store owners will, will benefit from, and I think if we can, you know, kind of spread the word as to like how this how this fits into their ecosystem, in right. a way, I think it's a I think it's a really useful tool that uh, that more store owners should be getting on board with. In terms of like, okay, so what, what's your plan for this launch? How 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 has it been going so far? What what do you have uh, lined up for the Great. next like three months or so?
1: So um, the. The first week, um, we just got done with the first week. Um, We had over 100 people sign up as far as just regular customers. Um, Those people, every one of the people that signed up, um, signed up and put a store that they play at. So from that aspect, we wound up with 100 stores um, that basically we know, okay, these people game at. So those folks, if they sell anything, those store owners, without really having to do anything, um, have wound up making money. So now we're doing the outreach um, directly to the stores going, hey, you know, we have the secondhand geek marketplace. One of your customers, um, you know, said that they played at your store. If they sell anything, we're going to cut you a check. Um, if you'd like more information, let us know. Um, the other thing that we're doing for the next three months is going to the Gen Cons, the Dragon Cons, the local Comic Cons in every state here in the southeast, um, I, myself, and one of my partners are avid Warhammer players, so we go to things like Adepticon, LVO, Nova Open, where you'll have five, six hundred, a thousand people playing those games. So we plan out handing out, you know, uh, complementary rulers and markers for people to have, um, basically just getting the word out there. Um, most of your gamers are... Avid IT people, so we're hoping at the same time, through social media and things like this podcast, the word gets out there that people are like, "Hey, okay, you know, I can, I can play my part in trying to make the gaming industry more mainstream than it currently is. Um, I can help my store owner in helping him pay his bills by not really incurring anything more than I'm currently doing." And if I'm afraid of kind of doing the whole eBay thing, here's another way for me to be able to sell stuff and make sure that the trust factor is there. Um, and then from that standpoint, we're hoping that, you know, the store owners who have tried to figure things out on their own, people who have good ideas or people that are think, Hey, this would be a great way for you to promote it. Um, we're always open to having, you know, uh, ideas thrown to us. Um, there's a, Bunch of Warhammer uh, podcast and YouTube channels um, that we plan on uh, supporting and advertising on. Um, The only folks that I think are going to not like what we're doing um, are the people who make the new products because they make money on selling stuff new. Um, And the more that we allow the gamers to basically keep and sell stuff secondhand, that sometimes may be viewed as, you know, preventing people from buying newer stuff. Um, But, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, it's already happening on eBay. So it's not like, you know, we're reinventing the wheel.
0: Yeah. It's more like we're, you're hoping to divert some of that activity that's already occurring in that customer base of every single game store. Basically there's some portion of the community that's buying and selling horizontally. They're not necessarily coming to the store for everything that they need. And you're just, moving that over. You're not necessarily right. hoping to divert, you know, new sales or uh gaming dollars that they would otherwise spend with the store. You're just hoping to take some of that stuff, put it on a new platform and give them a check. Yep. Give them a re- give them a reason to promote it because they actually get a an incentive to keep it within the ecosystem. Whereas eBay and TCG player are just kind of out the door. You get no benefit at all as the store owner to facilitate it for the most part, unless you are actively selling on those platforms but then again
1: fees 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 upon fees and then in january we are launching the international wargaming league um that is going to basically be just like um what um, uh, magic the gathering did as far as having a pro circuit um we're going to do that with the wargaming space and the thing that's nice about that is we're developing the back end of our site that basically allows people that are playing in their local gaming store to be part of an international league that will rank them in an ELO e- um, ranking system, um, like everybody's used to in the video game world. So it's one of those things where I could be playing in Wichita, Kansas, and I'm getting my ranking as far as where I stand with everybody else who's playing, say, warhammer 40k in the entire world and i don't have to just go to big tournaments like an adepticon or a nova or a lvo in order to have my game count and the fact that okay there's you know actually a judge there there's actually rules that you know basically are universal so i'm not you know worried that okay i played at this one place and now the rules at a different store are different so And then for the store owners, the thing that's nice is we provide the training for the judges. So they're like, hey, I've got a volunteer. He's an avid guy that loves Warhammer. We're going to sign him up to be a judge, much in the way that you had, you know, level one, level two, level three judges in the beginning for Magic. Same thing. We're not reinventing the wheel. We're just doing something in a miniature wargaming space that doesn't exist, that exists well and works well in the trading card game industry.
0: That's interesting. How are you going to deliver the judge rating?
1: The judge rating is going to be basically kind of a tier one, two, and three. Um, It's going to be basically a questionnaire of the standard rules for whatever that game is, whether it be Flames of War, Age of Sigmar, or Games Workshop. You'll have a database of, okay, this person has passed the test. When someone is submitting their results... There's then not only who they are and who their opponent was, but who the judge was that quote unquote refereed the game. And that if they wanted to be able to give any notes as to, hey, this guy was a great judge, this guy was horrible um, type of thing. So that we, from a customer service standpoint, get to maintain the judge's pool so that you know, not only are we certifying the people, but we're doing continuing education, so to speak. Um, you know, being a recovering accountant and CPA, um, you know, I, I always have to go through annual training to make sure that, you know, I know all the tips and tricks uh, in, in the accounting space. So we're basically doing the same type of thing where someone doesn't pass and become a judge once and then they got, you know, basically the ring to rule over everybody, you know, as a, as a judge without having any type of, uh, you know, way for someone to be able to counsel them or, or keep them in check.
0: Cool. Yeah. I like, I like the idea of facilitating judges. That's, that is a ongoing challenge, right? And anyone who has tried to manage organized play knows how difficult it can be to find somebody who will fill that role as the judge that you can rely on that you can afford that uh, everything lines up. So that it all makes sense. And uh, yeah, it's interesting to, to think that that doesn't really exist anymore. Like, I'm I'm normally a magic player. I've played Warhammer. Yep. I used to play when yep. I was younger. Uh, but that was just me, my cousins, casually, just for fun. You know, nothing crazy. We never really, I personally never really went into a store to play Warhammer in a semi competitive kind of way. So I never really got that experience of like what it's like to go to an FM. I, I know what magic is like, you know, that, that kind of situation. And it's interesting to think that Games Workshop, given how they're, they are, they've been around forever, basically, it, it, almost as long as the hobby exists. Like they're, they're, they are the ones that created it more. Anyway. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like they, they're kind of foundational. And they, they, I guess they did do that in the past, but uh, they moved away from that model. And it's, uh, I think it's encouraging. It's interesting to see what that'll look like in the future. And I'm, I'm excited to see more of that because I like, I really like the idea of hosting, I like the idea of facilitating. I think that's what a lot of game store owners also enjoy. I think, you know, they like the idea of having that control over their space, bringing people in to enjoy the thing that they love as well. But part of that is, is the organization and they like the, the referees and the rule standards and that sort of thing. So all of that is part of the structure, but uh, largely you're on your own for the most part to figure that out. And it's really nice. It's nice to see that at least one organization is out there trying to make that a little bit easier, even if it's not the publisher or the manufacturer necessarily. Uh, yeah, I think that'll be a nice tool for, uh, for game store owners in uh, in the near future once that gets rolling.
1: Yep. Um, one of the you know things that we want to do as an organization is provide resources to the game store owners. You know, three of the guys that are part of Secondhand Geek have owned stores in the past or currently own stores. And, you know, 99% of your store owners are one-man bands. So, you know, they they deal and they need volunteers within the various games that are played in their store to help them promote organized play. So one of our, you know, goals is that this database will allow them to go, okay, you know, in my store I've got three or four certified judges that are held accountable that I don't have to worry about arranging or trying to set them up to judge somebody's game, that they can do this all over this site. And I'm running the benefit of having a facility that people can come in and play and purchase items here. And I'm providing a safe space for them to do that. And there is another organization that is training the folks, making sure they stay up to date on the rules and how stuff is going. And for lack of a better term, they're also my ad hoc, you know, HR department, making sure that, you know, I don't have two customers that got pissed off by a judge and now they're going to the game store, you know, you know. towns over. So
0: yeah, yeah. I think that's a that'll be a big help going forward. And I'm yeah. I am curious about you you mentioned the 3D printers. That's also another area that uh has exploded and in some ways, like a lot of technology, people got really excited about it. They think it was going to be, you know, this transformative thing that was going to change the way games are done. And it hasn't really done that, but it has been it has changed things, right? It has has become part of the ecosystem. Yep. Uh, I'm interested in what that necessarily looks like. So if uh, if somebody wants to list their 3d printer on the site, in a sense, are you saying that they would be able to say, I'll I'll design your thing. Do you send me a, a brief on what you want created and I'll send you the piece? Or is it more like I've got these 3d model uh, uh, files, right? Like I've got these creations that I've created. Would you like one? Like, how does that work as a, uh, somebody who's, you know, a 3D modeler?
1: So right now we just have the category for 3D printers. Um, So from that aspect, if they either have the file that they're looking to sell, so someone can make it on their own, they could list that and put a price to it. If they already manufacture the stuff and they've got stuff there and they want to sell the finished product, they can do that as well. Um, Again, stressing as long as it's original stuff. Um, we're not, you know, counterfeiting, we're not endorsing anything like that. I'm stealing somebody else's IP. We're not endorsing that. Um, or like you said, um, I have a 3D printer, I know how to use it, I have the free time. So if you want something made, um, you can contact me and you know, I can give you a price on making that. So those are the three instances. Either somebody who has already got a product, someone's looking to sell a File to have someone else make the product or someone's got an idea and they want them to come up with it any one of those three they could wind up putting on the marketplace um we're not at the current time mandating what they would do with that um we do know people like puppets of war um i myself in the warhammer world have seen a ton of people come up with terrain um and and they love that because you know playing the same sets of terrain with your buddy, you know, day in, day out gets kind of boring sometimes. Um, so, from that aspect, you know, from a terrain standpoint and how people play wargaming, it's kind of like my, Magic or Pokemon every three months coming out with a new set of cards. Um, so, then you have the whole thing of accessories, say, in the miniature wargaming space, where you have somebody goes, okay, these are the standard space marines. Here are some alternate heads, here's some alternate arms. You know, it, it's new stuff, but it fits on the main game, so to speak. Um, you know, so you can customize a lot of the stuff and a lot of the th- 3D printers are really good at doing that and coming up with alternative models for games that are out there that sometimes hasn't been had a new sculpt in, say, three decades.
0: Uh, that's a really interesting area, right? <laughs> because of uh, because of the copyright and uh, aspect of things. So like that again. That's not my forte. I haven't been super involved in that. I've just been on the outside, seeing it, thinking it's cool because I'm yeah. I like technology. I think it's pretty neat. Uh, but I've I've been interested in in seeing how this will develop over time, and like how does this fit into I guess the model, the wargaming aspect of things. How does it work into that hobby? And how do people how do people use this technology? Right? Because uh, again, it's it's one of those like weird gray areas. Like for for card games, you know, there's there are really good proxy makers, proxy makers, right? You know, in air quotes that can make really great, cool custom versions of a card that doesn't really exist. And, you know, it's not a, you're not trying to counterfeit the the card, right? That's, that's interesting, but it can very easily get, go into that area, right? Where they can make almost the exact same version of a card that, you know, wizards of the coast can print from, uh, right. Yeah. From the printing presses. Right. And it's almost identical in, in so many ways. Right. Which is, uh, which opens up a whole pile of questions about Providence and uh, all kinds of things like that. But the idea of like how this could fit into the way things are working, the way that it becomes this sort of service I like, I I think it's really cool. I like the idea. I have a lot of respect for anybody who can create a really good, you know, well detailed uh, model and turn it into something that's physically real. I think that's really cool. So the fact that you're providing that space, on the website i think is really neat i would i want to see how that goes That i feel like that could be a really cool uh cool add-on right if there was this thriving market of people who are creating custom terrain like you said or or custom models and things like that i think it'd be really interesting i think it would fit a perfect fit because there's nothing really or i'm assuming making that could be assuming wrong i don't think there's anything like that out there right now for somebody to provide that service
1: right now the only thing that really is out there is patreon So you have a lot of 3D modelers out there that ask for people to subscribe to their service. And then, you know, as they're coming out with new sculpts, you know, the people that, depending on the level of the Patreon, are getting then the products. But you're right. There isn't a marketplace for like, hey, you know, I had in, you know, my Patreon group, you know, I still have the files. I can still make this stuff. But everybody that's part of the Patreon got the last release. I've got 500 left over. Oh, okay. Here's a marketplace that I can sell it at that is dedicated to say miniature wargaming. There's a whole category for that, you know, and I really don't want to put it on eBay because I don't want to pay the fees to have it listed because I don't know whether or not
0: it's going to sell. For anyone who's listening right now, they're, you know, they're star owners. They're thinking this is, this sounds pretty interesting. How Mm -hmm. would they get involved? What would you tell them to, how do they get started?
1: Uh, My thing is, is you can just go to secondhandgeek.com and literally create a profile right there. Um, It doesn't cost anything. On there is the contact us. um, If they want more information, if they've got questions, they've got suggestions, um, right then and there. um, Right, everything's on the site. We tried to make it as, as, you know, we're all military guys that own uh, secondhand geeks, So we joke around that we tried to make it as grunt proof as possible. uh, Keep the friction down to a minimum so that it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I, you know, created the profile, um, you know, I confirmed that this is my email address. Yep. Okay. I'm up and running and, you know, get your customers to sign on. We, you know, download the new memberships every day. Um, same. We're adding stores um, on there. We're creating a link now that we've got a page on the main site so that anybody looking for a game store in their town, if they're getting into it or they used to be a gamer and now their kids are getting involved. Yeah, we have a link for them to be able to find the stores in their area as
0: well. Nice. A little extra promotion for the stores that are listed on the site. It's always nice. It's always important. Uh, As a marketer, SEO question, do they get linked back to their website in any capacity or is that?
1: uh... So our, our goal is to, we have the link to their website on ours and our goal is that they have the secondhand geek logo on their website so that their customers can click on it. And then um, through either right now, we have Facebook and Google that will auto populate your uh, customer profile form to get you started. And then hopefully it becomes standard for people to go, okay, this is not only my local gaming store, but they're an affiliated partnership with Secondhand Geek. So that, you know, it becomes a line item for revenue for literally every game store owner that when they, you know, are in business now or somebody new looking to get and open a game store, they're like, all right, I've got my distributors, I got my lease, I got my employees, and I've got my account at secondhand geek, um, you know, so that they could basically cover all their bases.
0: Cool. As as a marketer, uh, I uh, I really, really very much appreciate the uh, the link back because that's always a, an yep. important thing. So I definitely recommend that people who are listening to this sign up. Even if it's just for uh, the the extra SEO juice, that's a great way to start and uh, let your customers know that they should get on the platform and then just, yeah, start making some residual income yep. on the activity that's already happening in your community anyways. Give them a good place to do it in a way that's fair and easy for them to use. So, yeah, I really appreciate that. That's cool. Uh, not a problem. Have, I, I will uh, I, I will have you listed up there by the end of today. Perfect. Cool, cool, cool. So, do you have uh, before we you know wrap things yeah. up and again do the plug and, and all that stuff? Do you have any uh, advice? So you've you've been in the business forever, basically. Yep. You've you've seen this whole industry grow and develop. Store owners, I would imagine, you know, we're we're uh, some of them are struggling right now, right? Some of them are having yep. a pretty tough time. Of uh, <laughs> not everything is playing out the way it used to. You can't rely on, or at least uh, it feels like you can't rely on the major players, right? Magic uh games workshop to some extent feels like almost every major product line major category has some level of complaints to it right now it's just not really doing what we what we want right for those store owners who are listening and feeling feeling the pressure you know what would you say to them what kind of encouragement or advice would you give them right now
1: um so as far as you know reaching out to their customer base you know if you're an existing store owner Um, You know, communicating with your customers is probably the biggest, uh, you know, asset that you're going to have um, so that, you know, the flow of information that you're getting from the people that you're buying the stuff from, whether it be, you know, the OEMs like a games workshop or Magic the Gathering, or if it's through a distributor, that they are up to speed with, okay, and delays in, you know, getting shorted on quantities or anything like that. And in explaining to people, hey, if you pre-buy it, I may not have it on the exact release day, but maybe maybe three or four days later, you're being patient a couple of days opposed to jumping on an eBay or jumping on an Amazon is the difference between us keeping the doors open and you having a place to play versus us not having a place to play. And I think in my experience over the last 25 years, if I'm upfront and I have those conversations with people, People want to help their stores survive. They they want to help keep the doors open. Nobody that's playing at a store wants to see it shut down. And if it comes to pass that it does, I've heard people say in the past, well, if I had known better, if someone had told me, I would have tried to help. So, and you never know from your customer standpoint who has the ability to help you, who doesn't have the ability to help you. Um, trying to go and get a loan sometimes at your local bank is like pulling teeth and going to the dentist. Whereas you might have somebody that's gaming in your store that has the ability to help you out with, you know, something in the short term, a 30, 60 day type of thing, or will pre-buy, you know, inventory and stuff like that. So my biggest advice to people who have existing game stores, know your customer base, know what they're capable about, know what other resources and connections that they have that can help you be successful.
0: I like that. Look at them as allies. All right. So again, where can people go to find out more about secondhand geek? Um, Uh, Secondhand geek reach up to you.
1: Um, You can reach me. It's Blake at secondhandgeek.com. And it goes directly to me. Um, Our phone number is 864-420-4788. If they want to, you know, uh, jump on a phone call um and i can do you know microsoft teams or zoom I, I do it on a daily basis with everything with tax titans so
0: yeah <laughs> well you're never gonna get a phone number from ebay so uh yeah you're never very gonna very able to get hold of just like yeah, yeah. i want to call up the owner of ebay just have a chat with him right now and, and uh get him to answer my questions so uh, if you're listening take advantage of that and you're interested give him a give alan a chat and uh and find out a little bit more about secondhandgeek.com that's to and the yeah. second spelled out correct in case anyone's wondering all right well thank you very much for uh for being on the podcast today i really appreciate it
1: all right thomas i appreciate it now we'll get you listed up there and hopefully we can have this conversation a year from now and learn yeah. all the different done for the game source
0: yeah that'd be awesome that sounds great all right well uh if you haven't already checked out secondhandgeek.com while you're listening to this podcast go do that And I will talk to everybody again in the next episode of the Maniverse Podcast.